Good morning, everyone. My name is Shane, and for today's episode, we have brought on Christine Adonisio. She will be talking to us about what it was like being a white woman growing up during the 70s and 80s where she lived. So, Christine, welcome. I'm happy to have you on and would like for you to tell the listeners a brief overview about yourself, where you grew up, what your life is like, and what you've done. Good morning, Shane. Thank you for having me on today. Uh, my name, again, is Christine Adonisio. I am originally from Mount Vernon, New York. I grew up there in the 70s and 80s, and um, I stayed there until I was 24 years old. Moved to Connecticut and stayed there for about 10 years, and then met my husband and moved to Stormville, New York, where we reside now. We have two children. One is married and out of college, and one is, is a junior in college right now. Okay, great. Okay, so I just wanted to start off by talking to you about uh, discrimination. So it has actually been illegal since 1963 to pay women less in the workforce. Yet we see that women on average actually make 80% of what males make. And a study done by a woman named Margot Madura shows that women are seen as less employable than men and are offered lower salaries than men based on gender alone. So have you or anyone you've ever uh, known ever experienced anything like this to your knowledge? Well, that's an interesting question because um, when the time that I was, you know, in the workforce like that in my um, 20s and 30s, I did experience that in one of the companies I worked for, um, Carter's Baby Clothes. And um, I had, there was a few of us doing the same thing. It was financial cash analyst work. And um, I had um, a man working right next to me that after we, you know, became friendly, we found out that um, he was making um, more money than I was. And um, back then, do you say something? Don't you say something? So yeah. I sort of kept my mouth shut, but knew that, you know, the loss changed at one time, but my company was not going forward with the law change. Okay. Interesting. And, and you, you said that you were doing the same thing. Correct. Interesting. Okay. And, uh, okay. So going back a little bit further here, you said that you were from Mount Vernon and yes. you said you lived there for how long? 24 years. 24 years. Okay. So from the time you were born until the time you were 24. Yes. Okay. And how would you describe it? Uh, so we were 20 minutes outside of Manhattan, very close to the Bronx. Um, and so Mount Vernon was much inner city, um, just like a, a small city, just like the Bronx. Okay. Interesting. Um, I know that you've told me stories before of you walking down the street, you're seeing people hanging out of cars with needles in their arms, you're hearing gunshots, stuff like that. Uh, would you like to expand on that a little bit further? Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, uh, my, my, uh, growing up, my street surrounding areas like the houses, there were probably six or eight houses on the, well, there was probably over a hundred houses on the street, but mm -hmm. we had six or eight houses like right in the center of the road. 
And that was our core people. We knew not to go past that house because then you'd be going into and seeing what you just mentioned. Um, somebody <laughs> hanging out of a car with a needle in his arm. And uh, my, for my mother, it was, and my father, it was awful for us to be growing up there, but they couldn't offer us anymore at that time. Yeah, so they yeah. tried to keep us safe under their covering. Um, okay. So, um, and then, so we would see that. I mean, I would go to the, grocery store my you know to go get you know uh, cold cuts and you know there'd be a kid on the street that would say I know you have money in your pocket give it to me so I would have to hand it over you know things like that so we were really surrounded by some bad things okay interesting okay so looking more more into the school aspect of this racially would you say your area was was predominantly black or white predominantly black okay and if you were looking at the school how, how would you what would you say the ratio of black to white would be in your school 99 <laughs> percent black to one percent white yes mm-hmm. interesting so you were a major minority in your school at the time absolutely 100 percent. Okay. okay did you see did you ever experience any uh discrimination because you were white or no Uh, I would say it would be discrimination, yes. Um, well, there were riots that had happened, and they were specifically because we were white and the people leading the riots were black. Definitely. Um, okay, and- let me, let's take a quick, okay? We'll get, mm-hmm. we'll get back into that in a little bit. Um, uh, first, before we talk about that, I want to talk about the security at your school. Um, so... Did, did the security at your school, did, did you feel safer when they were there or, or did you, did the people of the school not think that they were effective? Because I'm looking at statistics on how police in school were viewed in the 1980s and it appears that they, nobody really wanted them there. Uh, do, do you agree with that? Uh, well, before they even brought in police officers, they tried to do a lot of the security on themselves. Okay. okay? And that obviously didn't work, but when the police were were there um i i didn't see there was no discipline really that was going on they were just more of a presence okay interesting so it was more like they they believed that since the police were there it would it would call it would deter people from doing things but it really they didn't really do anything exactly interesting Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because a study in Connecticut shows that police uh, don't really enhance safety in schools and areas of drugs, theft, weapons, or property damage. And I was going to ask if you've experienced anything like that, but when I'm looking at property damage, now I'm thinking about the riots that you were just talking about. So would you like to dive into that a little bit deeper? Well, the property damage happened when the riots actually started um in the school okay Uh and so i mean i had a desk thrown at my head it hit my face it broke my nose all because i was you know a different color um and it was uh it was very heart-wrenching um so and so now and it would leave before before, while you say Mm -hmm. that did, did did these riots did they start because of anything specific or it was just strictly okay we're gonna riot and 
it, it just they just came out of nowhere, or was there a specific event that that caused them to happen? Well, it's quite interesting that you ask that because when you go to a school that has like three thousand kids, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, the majority uh, are of a different color. Um, I don't believe that we did anything to start it. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I just, we, we, and it was the, the nature of the beast at the time again, like yeah. if the high school was doing this, then the junior high school was doing it. And okay. it was, it was almost like unwritten, you know, that this was going to happen on this day. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and and you're and you said that you were seeing the the younger kids were following suit what they were seeing what the older kids doing. A hundred percent. And do you think that that is why the riots would start in the high schools too? Do you think that they were looking at their parents and what their parents were going through? A hundred percent. Interesting. As a parent now, I can definitely say that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Okay. 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 So branching off of that. Um, I'm curious to know how security handled uh, the riots. Uh, do, do you believe that there was any excessive force used by, by the cops on these kids? And I'm, I'm just asking this because we see a study in Minneapolis that, that shows that black people are 60 likely to experience police brutality. And in Alabama as well, we see incidents of macing and pepper spraying of students in South Carolina, we actually see a student that was slammed to the ground and dragged across the floor uh, out of a classroom. And in Kentucky, we see a 13-year-old girl that was punched in the face by a police officer for cutting the lunch line. So that, that, that le- the, the list goes on and on. And that leads me to wonder, in, in a situation where police force seems like it would be necessary to stop something from going on, do you think that there was uh, too much or not enough at all? Or how, how would you describe that? Well, the per- police presence, um, I think that they, the school district most likely hoped that it would slow things down um, or change things uh, and keep everybody more safe. But on the days of the riots, when they would show up, um, they, they didn't come in with like the bashing of like the clubs and things like that, they would come in more, try to contain and pull us away from each other and then contain them and then deal with them in such a way. I I can't say that anybody was arrested. I think that they used more, um, let's talk to these kids and try to turn their lives around. Interesting. Okay. So they, so they worked more to, to, uh, trying to help the situation rather than just punishment. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that helped? Do you think that that worked at all? Or, Well, for me, I mean, you know, these things happened in the beginning of my time in high, in junior high school and high school. And as I got out of high school, I mean, these people that literally were beating us up, we, we were all one big happy family. By so, the end of it all. By the end of it all. I mean, if I told you today how many friends I still have from there and they were mean and not nice, but now, you know, as I graduated and with them, we're, yeah. you know, uh, it, it definitely helped, mm-hmm. I believe. Good. Very good. Well, 
uh, I don't really have anything else um, unless you have any closing statements um, that you would like to say. Uh, no, I just I, I actually would like to know someday if um, you you can find more studies that show um, excessive force is not the way to handle it and trying to rehabilitate rehabilitation. Yeah. You know, um, if, There's, if those... there is a plenty of studies on rehabilitation and, um, you know, I, I can get those to you. Yeah, I appreciate, I would appreciate that because I, I just believe that, you know, that's what worked for us there. Yeah. Much Good. like, much like, you know, that the older kids were watching the parents were teaching the younger kids and the young, you know, the high schoolers were teaching that. I saw that once the rehabilitation started, it went up from the schools to the parents. Wow. Because okay. the kids were not, at the end of my time in high school, the kids were not that way anymore. Yeah. So do you, do you think that the kids influenced the parents or do you think that the parents were influencing the kids? Well, it all depends because I think, I think it had to be what the kids brought home. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Very good. Okay, cool. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you and uh, hearing more about, about your life and, and your experiences. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Shane. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye now. Bye.